0: The Rebbe starts off the Sicha by saying that Shavuot, as we know, is the Hilula of the Baal Shemtev. The Rebbe says that there used to be a doubt whether the Histalkus was on the first day of Shavuot or the second day. But from a mimer of the Alter Rebbe regarding the Histalkus of the Baal Shemtev, where he says, by Yoim Haravi on the fourth day, Nitlu Hamo'irois, literally those words mean that on the fourth day of the week, the luminaries were suspended and hung up in the sky. But here, Nitlu is with a test, meaning on the fourth day of the week. On a Wednesday, Nittl with a test, the luminary was taken away, referring to the Baal From this we can understand that it was on the first day of Shavuos, because the second day of Shavuos can never fall out on a Wednesday. As we know, the famous simon of Atbash, which stands for that on the first day, the same, Aleph stands for the first day of Pesach, the first day of Pesach, whatever day in the week it's going to be, is the same day as Tishimov will be, and Beishin, the second day of Pesach in the week, will be the same day as Shavuos is going to be. And since Pesach cannot fall out on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, so the second day of Pesach cannot fall out on a Tuesday. And therefore, the second day of Shavuos cannot fall out on a Wednesday. So therefore, we must say it's on the first day of Shavuos. And since the Moshem talks was on the first day of Shavuos, the burial would have been on the second day of Shavuos. Because only then could all of the needs of a person's burial be done by a Yid. The fact that usually we say we don't delay a mace and we bury right away on the first day through a goy, that wouldn't be applicable over here because the Baal specifically ordered the people of the Hevra Kadisha that they, the Yidin, should be involved in his Kvuro. And we do delay a a funeral if that's the wishes of the person who passed away. So therefore what follows is that the Hilula of the Baal is connected to both days of Shavuos. The first day is the Yistalkos. The second day was the Burial. And the Rebbe says it, that could be that it's dafka because of this that the doubt actually ended up being whether the Yilula was on the first day or the second day because really there was aspects on both days. The Rebbe points out that really the Estalkos of Moshe Rabbeinu is also connected to two days because we find that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away on Shabbos. That's why we actually say on Shabbos it's Koschat Tzedek. But we also find that on the day of his Estalkos he wrote 13 Sifrei Torah which would tell us that he passed away in the middle of the week. So one of the answers given for this is that is, astalkus was sort of in both days. The beginning was on Erev Shabbos, and then it sort of finished off on Shabbos itself, on Mincha Shabbos. The Rebbe says, we can say the connection between the Hilulah of the Baal Shem Tev, to Shavuos, by first explaining that what it says in the Mimer of the Free rebbe of Beis Nissen, which was published for Beis Nissen of this year, that the Rebbe is saying the Sichin and Tav the Rebbe says, why, from the Freedic Rebbe's Maimer, the why is it that the day of the Stalkus of a Tzaddik is called Yom Hilula? Hilula usually refers to a Simcha, like the Simcha of a Choson and a Kala. He brings over there the Maimer Azal, the Yom Chasunoso is a Matan Torah. The Matan Torah is considered the day of the marriage of Hashem and the Eden. So that's an idea of Hilula. Rebbe explains that the idea of Hilula is the gilui y'koyach ha'ein so'if down in creations. First of all, as far as the birth that will take place as a result of the marriage, this is the power of the ensoif And similarly, regarding the estalkos of a tzaddik, this is the time when it's, it's the completion of him drawing down elikus in the world. And it's explained elsewhere that this idea is specifically connected to the idea of the estalkos of a tzaddik, which is Avodah was, revealing Pnimi yisatoira. That's why we find specifically by Rajbi that the day of his histalkos is called Hilula. So if this is true regarding the Rajbi, which revealed Pnimi Yisatoira, only to select individuals, so how much more so regarding the Baal Shemt, if they revealed Pnimi Yisatoira to everyone, how much more so that it's connected to this idea of Hilula, which again is similar and connected to the idea of Matan Toira, which is also the idea of a chasana. The Rebbe then goes on and says, that in regards to the Hestalkos of Moshe Rabbeinu, which we mentioned earlier, we find in Medrash hazal that the reason why he remained in Chutzlar is because he wanted to remain with the people of his generation in order to take them along with him to Eretz Yisrael. The explanation of this is, because the Metzis of Moshe Rabbeinu is, In other words, his whole essence is when he's together with the people of his generation. And if he cannot go with the people of his generation, what would be the point of going into Eretz Yisroel or all other great things? Because his Metzius is, his whole essence is dafka when he's with his people. And therefore, if his his generation is remaining in the Midbar, he stays with them. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true with the free, the the Moshe Rabbeinu of our generation, that the reason why he remained... In the meantime, a Chutz Laaretz is because he does not want to separate from the Chassidim, from the Mukusharim, and therefore he remained with them in order to take them all along, the Chassidim and the Mekusharim, and anyone that had any sort of connection to him, and even those people that are currently in the state of those that go against the Talmud who ultimately also get chais from the Talmud or at least from the Achirayim from the back. So he wants to take them all along with him to Eretz Yisrael, to the G'ullah, Mitzvah Vash Says the Rebbe, this knowledge that the Moshiach of our generation remained the Chutz Laaretz, in order to take each and every one of us to the G'ullah adds in the appreciation and the Chishivus of the importance of the Avoid of each and every one of us. Sometimes the Eretz comes to a person and argue, argues, what does the Abish to care whether you can act in one way or in a different way? The past says clearly, it seems to be that our avoider doesn't have any effect on Hashem. Yes, it's true that the avoider of Nevroim does cause nachas to Hashem, but this Zahara argues and says maybe that's only regarding tzaddikim gemurim, which have no connection to Gashmius because of their greatness and so their avoider brings a nachas to Hashem. But you, the Zahara says, that you're in such a lowly situation, who are you that your avoider should have any impact up above? As the Pesach says, so we need an answer to the Yeh How could it be that you Yeh are trying to bother me and disturb me? I myself was by Har Sinai. Hashem told me Hashem in the singular. Moshe Rabbeinu, and so to the Moshe Rabbeinu of our generation, Moshe is waiting for me. And without me, so to speak, the train won't go. Everything is up to me. It's dependent on me. And therefore, of course, my avoida is, re- is very, very important and relevant up above. Says so as the Rebbe to point out these kind of words about the importance of one's avoida, even though there may seem a bit of a feeling of gaiva, of some sort of arrogance over here. And gaiva, as we know, is the source for all negative things. Nevertheless, we need to utilize this sort of attitude itself in order to bring a benefit for avoida. And the Rebbe explains this by prefacing that regarding Gaiva, we find seemingly a contradiction in the words of Chazal. On the one hand, we say, Beshanto may be excommunicated, someone that has any form of arrogance, even a tiny drop. Loiminov, loimiktsoso, one shouldn't have any bit of it. That means you can't even go on the middle path, as in all other sorts of characteristics where we say that the middle path is the best path. But regarding gaiva, we say one needs to distance himself to the furthest extreme. On the other hand, we find the Gemara says that a Talmud Chacham does need to have a little bit of gaiva. One of the answers given on this is that when a person is in the middle of the avoida, already on a higher level, then you need to negate gaiva completely. You're not supposed to have even a tiny drop of it. However, when one is in the beginning of avoida, you have to have at least a little bit because if a person won't feel himself high and proud in any way whatsoever, then he won't be interested, he won't have a gashmak at all, he won't dare try to approach the avoida, he will say, who am I, what's my avoida worth, etc. So in other words, for the benefit of avoida, we need to sometimes utilize something which seems to me negative, like the idea of gaiva, rather to know one's importance and his chshivus of his avoida, how important it is up above, so that his avoida should be proper. The Rebbe says that this idea that we take from something negative, and we utilize it for Kedusha, because we learned out in the following way, with the following Kalvachoimr. If from a matter of Kedusha, sometimes we could get to something negative, it's, it's explained in Chassidus, that there's a concept called Gvurois Koshoi. Some harsh judgment could sometimes come out from Gvurois of Kedusha. As the Gemara says, Mizeyosin Shalachayus, from the sweat of the Chayus of the Malachim, Nahar Dinur yoitz. there's is this fiery river that comes out. In Avodah, this is expressed as meaning that sometimes a person can be very, very excited and fiery and davening, but then it ends up being expressed as anger, anger against Rishoyim and so on. So too in the Kav of Chesed, in the line of Chesed, sometimes it can also end up as a result of a person's Avas Hashem, and somehow it ends up in Taivoy Safarin foreign things, Chas Says the Rebbe, how much more so that a negative thing could be utilized for a kedusha thing. The Rebbe adds that this is something very, very important in the general idea of avoido. We know that the concept of avoido, the word avoido is from the word ibud Oiris, like tanning, leather. That you have these pieces of leather that are on the the skin of an animal that on the one hand need fixing, need help. And not only that, it's against the nature of the the height of the animal on its own. So it's, it's, so to speak, not allowing itself. But this itself is only for the benefit, because only through this you come to the whole idea of Avoida. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true regarding the whole idea and the strength of Klippah, that this is only to help him bring a benefit in Avoidah, because the strength of the Klippah, this is what awakens us to work stronger in our Avoida. The Rebbe says, this is hinted in the Lush and Chazal regarding the Efas Toyar, the woman that's taken as captive in war, that the Yetzirah tries to incite the person, as so the raza, Lashen Chazal is like, Dibra Toira, Ella Kennege the Yitzhara. the reason the Toira is saying this, is to deal with the Sahara. In other words, when is there a need for Dibra ta'ira"? It's specifically when there is this concern, that the Yetzirah is trying to incite the person, when the Yetzirah is strong, the Toira is coming to speak, negate the Yitzhara. in other words, not to give in to the Yetzirah, to fight against the Yetzirah. So in other words, the whole concept that there is the sahara is only that we should fight it, which is the idea of the shavisa shivya, we go ahead and we take a captive, we take the inyonim of klippa only in order to uh, utilize them and transform them, etc. Says the Rebbe, from this we understand, regarding all the concealments within the, in the world, that the whole point of it is always only for the benefit of our voydum. The Rebbe explains this by saying, that according to that which is understood in our seichel, there seemingly wouldn't need to be all of these obstacles and concealments. Without all, without all of these concealments, Seemingly, we could have been able to do what Hashem wants in a much better way than if there are all of these concealments. How much more so if there wouldn't be any concealments at all? We would be able to see Alekus Begilui. And then we would have pleasure only in matters of is only in matters of Kedusha, similar to what's told about Reb Nochem of Chernobyl, that he was fat physically because of his tremendous pleasure that he had in saying, So surely if we would have a situation of taining only in matters of Alekus, it would be in a greater way. But since B'poil, the way things are, is not the way we understand it in our seichel. But it's in a different way, the way Hashem decided. that Rebbe gives a marshal over here to a ship going on the sea. As explained in Lukutik Torah that the Inyanu of Torah and mitzvahs are compared to ships through which we go through the sea. It's also known that in the time of Golos Yidin are compared to a wife or a husband that's gone overseas. So what's, what happens in a ship? The sailor is as follows, that on the upper deck you have the sailors dressed in white, and they're having their fancy feasts, etc. Down at the bottom of the ship, you have someone that's dressed in very, very ordinary and simple clothes. Not only simple clothes, but very, 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 not only regular clothes, but very simple clothes, and surely not the fancy white clothes. And his job is to work the machines that are taking the ship, and to supervise them that they should be working properly. Now, even though it's true that the ship is running based on the word of this particular technician, nevertheless, who are the ones that are guiding the ship to where they should go, to which direction they should go? That's the sailors on the top, according to the way they understand, not taking into consideration the opinion of the mechanic down on the bottom. Similarly, in the M- Nimshul, even though the Avoida practically to do the Kavonel yoin and the creation of the world is through us down here, but it's not our opinions that are being taken into consideration how the world should run. Rather Hashem is deciding. So what does Hashem do? Not only isn't there any, not no concealments at all, but there is many concealments. So we need to know that the Kavan in this itself is for the purpose of our Avoidah, that in this situation where there are all of these concealments, not only don't we become weaker in our Hashem, but on the contrary we become stronger in our avoider Hashem. And the point is that when a Yid sees a certain thing in the world, he needs to know that there's a Kavon El Yoino in this thing. And the point is in order to utilize it in Avoid Hashem. The Rebbe says, the Rebbe tells a story about Ibn Nachum of Chernobyl, that one time by mistake they gave him cholov of Akum. And he physically didn't see it. Later he explained it's based on the Mishnah that says, cholov of Shechol Yisro The simple meaning of the Mishnah is, that a milk that was milked by a goy and a yid didn't see it being milked, then of course this is the halacha of cholavakum. But the way he explained it was, that the milk that a goy milked, a yisrael rei yid doesn't see it. Because something that he doesn't need to see, he doesn't see. The Rebbe explains this based on the following. that when we see something, it's only in order to or- it elevate it to Kedusha. So something that's a, a, something that's also, which we cannot elevate, the Yid doesn't see it. So if that's the case, regarding things that a Yid does see in the world, he has to fulfill the Kavan El Yonah to utilize every single thing in Avodos Hashem. says that ever from this we also understand regarding every single place that a Yid is found in, even if it's in the furthest corner of the world, a place where there's very, very few Yidin. He needs to know that the point that Hashem brought him to this place is in order to strengthen Yiddishkeit, to be mechair of those Yidin to Yiddishkeit. A person might come along and argue and say that if he's among so few Yidin, maybe he could be a little bit more lenient in keeping Torah and mitzvahs. He argues it's similar to being in a war zone, We're in a war zone, in certain cases, you're even allowed to eat things that are not 100% kosher, etc. So the Rebbe says, first and foremost, we have to know that a Goy is never the Balabas over a Yid. They may have certain they may have certain positions in regarding to the Gashmi Yisdika things, but never regarding Rukhni Yisdika things. And as the Friedrich says before, he went out to a city of uh, Golus and kastrama, He says, only our bodies were given into Golus and the enslavement of the nations, but not our Nishamis were never given into the Golus and never subject to the governments. Every, as far as everything of Yiddishkeit is concerned, no one could ever force us. The Rebbe tells a story that in our city in Yekaterinoslav there was a Yid, one of the refugees from Poland. This Yid got a draft notice. A few days later, um, after he got to, he was supposed to show up to draft, the Rebbe says, I saw him in the base medrash. I asked him, how did you get out of the army? So he told me, since he doesn't know Russian, so he was told just to do and to say everything that he will be told, um, he, will, he should he should say so the Yid goes on and tells the Rebbe, he says, I'm a Yid that doesn't know any Chochmas. So I did whatever they told me. When the commander said, Naprava, which means go to the right, I repeated after him and I said, Naprava. When he said, Naleva, which means go to the left, I repeated, Naleva. When he saw this, he said, Durak, you're a fool. So I repeated after him and I said, Tidurak, you're a fool. When he heard this, the commander heard this, he got very, very angry and he banged me, he gave me a strong bang with his gun, and he said, "Pashol Durak, you get out of here, you fool. I repeated after him, "Pashol Durak, and I ran for my life. The Rebbe says that on the Neshama of the Yid, no one has any ownership, not the draft board, not General Hirsch, not even President Truman, with all due respect, but they have absolutely no Balabatoshkite over the Neshama of the Yid to bring him to a place, where there's any sort of difficulty as far as Torah and Mitzvahs is concerned. And since this is the case, when a Yid is in a place where there's only very few Yid in an environment of Goyim, so not only don't, isn't there any sort of reason that there should be a weakening Chaz and all of his Ruchni things, so that he should be able to keep properly all matters of Yiddishkeit, Torah and Mitzvahs, but furthermore he has to know that the Ashgach brought him to this place, so he should actually be able to be strengthening Yiddishkeit.